0: Good afternoon Ignite Church. Come on. I know like something happened overnight and like we all remember now that we're in Canada and summer is gone. <laughs> but God is still faithful. Praise God. Good afternoon Ignite Church. How are we all doing? Great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, thank you for joining um, today. Thank you for coming to church today. I know um With the weather um, here in Mississauga today, um, it must have taken a lot of effort to be out here today, so I want to appreciate you for coming. Um, And you've you've come to meet with God, you've not come to meet with James, I've come to meet with God as well, and um, I'm very sure that, you know, we will not go back the same way we came in Jesus' name. If you're joining us online as well, thank you for joining us. Uh, You have so many options, you could have decided to join, you know any other church today, but you decided to join us. We don't take that for granted at all. Thank you for joining, and I'm very confident that the grace and the power of God in the house today will get to you wherever you are in Jesus' name. Amen. If this is your first time joining us as well, um, you've been welcomed before, but I just want to welcome you again. Um, We're very glad um, that you're here. We're going to have an amazing time in God's presence today, um, because God is here. God is here. Um, God is here. That worship was powerful, and you know, the Holy Spirit is here. Uh, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, you know, gathered together as my followers, I'm there. I'm there. And we can be confident that you know, if he's here, he's going to do great and mighty things in your life in the name of Jesus. Um, Act chapter 10, verse 38. Um, when God was here as a man, right, in the form of Jesus, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. The Bible recorded that everywhere he went, he was doing good. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the only spirit and power. And everywhere he went, he was doing good. He was in all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So here this afternoon, I want to encourage you to have an expectation, right? If you're watching online, if you're here in person, have an expectation um, whatever it is the situation is, whatever it is you came to church with, you know, today thinking like, how am I going to figure this out? Um, I want to assure you that the power of God, the power in the word of God will turn that situation around for good for you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let us pray um, before we get started today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. We magnify your name. Thank you for your extravagant vag- kindness to us. Thank you. Because while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. You sent him to die in our place. You sent him to pay the penalty for our sins. And you reconcile us back to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because through that sacrifice, you can boldly approach your throne of grace to worship you, to meet with you, to commune with you. We appreciate you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your presence in this place. The Bible says the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. So I pray if there is anyone under the authority of my voice today that is under any form of oppression of the enemy whatsoever, the power of the word of God will set us free today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that every one of us will experience the joy of your presence today in the name of Jesus. Lord, reveal yourself to us through your word. Sanctify us with the truth of your word today, O oh God. Do this to the glory of your name alone in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the global leaders in the house say, Amen. Amen. So today we're going to continue um, from the topic we started last week. We started looking at the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, anywhere you see in the Bible, um, you know, where you see the Spirit is talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, God is not just a spirit. He's the spirit. He's the father of spirits. So, um, we looked at Galatians. Our text was from Galatians chapter 5 from verse 22 to 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. These fruits are the evidence that someone's life is under the control of the Holy Spirit. All right, And you know, we define the fruit of the Spirit. Of course, we said you know, the fruit of the Spirit is the expression of the nature and the character of Christ in our lives through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we highlight the fact that it's not automatic, right? Not, you know, if it's automatic that like everyone will have joy, everyone will have long-suffering, everyone will be gentle. Um, and this is not just, you know, character modification that you just say, oh, yeah, today, um, you know, I'm going to start, you know, being more gentle. This is an expression of the nature and the character of Christ. And it can only be made possible by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit nothing else. So, if you don't yield your life to the needing and the control of the Holy Spirit, and you follow the desires of your flesh, you will not see the traits in your life. So, that's why it is possible for someone to be in church, you can be in church for like, you know, five years, ten years, fifteen years, and you look at them and, you know, they don't have any traits of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, they are always angry, they are always moody. Um, when they show up, you know, people are already telling them sorry from afar because they know it's only a matter of time before they lash out, right? And it's it's it's, it's one of two things, right? You know, one of, one of two things that can explain that. Um, you know, the first thing is it's either you know they've not been living their way uh, um, in a in, in, in a way that puts their spirit man in control of their life, so they've been giving into the desires of their flesh. You um, can also say, you know. You can call that they've been carnal Christians, right? So you know, they live according to their flesh, or the seed of righteousness was never even planted in the first place. So they never actually gave their life to Christ. And someone might be thinking, ah, "How can you say because you know someone has been in church but their character has not changed, then they are not a Christian or they are carnal Christians, right?" I can say that because my Bible tells me that, right? Um, Matthew seven sixteen it says. I can identify them by their fruit, you know? You can identify them by their fruit. Um, I'm reading the NLT. So, if you have been spending time in the things that will give your spirit man, you know, your spirit man is now one with the spirit of God. Um, The Bible says, you know, God's spirit bears witness with our own spirit. We are children of God. So, if you have been engaging in things that will give your spirit man ascendancy, will give your spirit man dominance over your flesh, right? Right? You know, things like renewing your mind in the word of God, you know, things like, you know, reading your Bible, praying, fellowshipping with the body of believers, right, coming to church, um, you know, physically, um, you know, meeting with people of, you know, like minds, right, you know, people of the same value. Uh, Then the, the seed that you'll be producing, things that we'll see, like your character, is going to change. It will be the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we talked about all the works of the flesh last week as well right adultery fornication drunkenness wild parties and all of that but if you have you know been spending time with God you know investing in your spirit man meditating on the word of God then what we will see is the fruit of the spirit why because nobody you can't spend time with God and remain the same it's not possible let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 13 It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, the Bible didn't say, you know, they saw them with Jesus. The Bible said by the way they behaved, their character, the way they acted. Now, people who knew them before, they, they they could see that something had changed and they could only attribute it to the fact that they had been with Jesus. So you can't be with Jesus. You can't spend quality time with God and your life will not be transformed. I will not see it in your character. And the fruit of the spirit will not be evident in your life. One thing the disciples didn't have to do, um, please, uh, technical team, please, if possible, if you can give me the, um, the Neving Bible um, version of that scripture, Acts 4.13. No, I like the way he puts the end of it. it. says, they were amazed and realized what being with Jesus had done to them. Right? So it's, it's the fact that, you know, they have been with Jesus that transformed their lives and other people are able to see that something is different. The interesting thing is, you know, in this case, like, the disciples didn't have to say, oh, don't you know us? Like, we, we, we used to be with Jesus, so Jesus actually handed over this thing to us. You should listen to us. They didn't have to convince anybody. Why? Because they had spent quality time with God. They had been in the upper room. They've spent time with God in prayer. They've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and the result of that was the transformation of their lives. That when they came out of it, people saw how they spoke, how they behaved, and they knew that, yes, this is someone that has been with Jesus. So same thing for you and I, like, you know, let's stop going about, you know, boasting and telling people, you know, um, I, I finish my Bible in a year, like three times a year. You know, I fast eight times a week. You know, actually, I just, I just finished a study, you know, on wisdom. No, 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 you don't have to go about, you know, telling us all of that. Your life, like the, the fruits, how you behave, how you act, your character will tell us if you've been with Jesus or not. So instead of spending your time, you know, trying to convince us, that, you know, don't judge me, like I'm doing this. No. Put that time, invest in spending quality time with God, you know, read your Bible, pray, uh, um, you know, fellowship, come to church, and watch God transform your life inside out. So we said, you know, again, just buttresses the fact that we have to follow the Holy spirit's leading. It's not going to force us, right? The moment you give your life to Christ, we don't all become, you know, zombies and like, you know, we just, we have no choice of our own. You still have a choice. Um, when you wake up every morning, you can decide to invest in your spirit man or you can decide to follow the desires of your flesh. But if you decide to follow the leading of the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit gives you the grace. He empowers you to do so, Right? So if you see somebody that, you know, they're exhibiting, you know, the traits of the fruit of the Spirit, it's because they've put in some work. Because the Bible tells us the grace of God can be in vain, right? So the fact that the grace of God in their life is not in vain, and you can see the Holy Spirit, you know, bringing forth those fruit, those characters in their life means they've put in some work into it. So we to at faithfulness, and we said faithfulness is to be devoted, uh, to be honest, to be trustworthy, to be dependable. And we said, God is faithful. You know, God is faithful. You can you know, depend on him. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is true. Um, you can depend on his word, we can trust in his promises because they will never fail. And God expects us as his children to be faithful as well. And we looked at you know, three areas you know, where God expects us to be faithful. And we talked about you know faithfulness in little things, right? Um, you know, uh, wherever you are right now, despite you know any vision that you have or God has given to you of you know where you're going, if you're not faithful where you are where you are at right now, you know, in things you're doing right now, in the seemingly little insignificant things, you will not get to that you know great place, that great vision that you have. You have to be faithful where you are, where you are right now. You know, we looked at the example of David as well. Um, we said, you know, you have to be faithful with your finances. And we talked about, um, you know, the issue of finances is really, it boils down to, you know, your ability to trust in God as your source, right? You know, all the, you know, argument about tithe or, you know, whatever, like, you know, it's all boils down to, like, can you trust God with your finances? Can you trust God to take care of you? Um, You know, do you think God is a taker? Do you think God wants something from you? Or do you think, you know, he wants you to show that you trust him so he can commit true riches into your ends. He wants you to be a channel. He doesn't just want to bless you. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people. But that wouldn't be possible if you are not faithful with the need to that you have today. And the third one, we said faithfulness in serving. You know, serving in the kingdom, you know, serving other people, serving, you know, you have an opportunity to help people out, you know, doing that faithfully, I'll do it like it is yours, right? So, because if you're not faithful in that, you know, which is other people's things, your own thing, like, you know, you won't get it. You won't get, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you're trusting God for. We used an example of, oh, um, you want to lead a team in the future, and all you're doing right now is just, you know, sabotaging, sabotaging your current manager or your line leader or, you know, trying to paint them in a bad light just because you think you're better than them. Um, you know, the truth is, you know, such a person might never get to that position as well because they are not faithful with other people's things. Um, and you know, we concluded and you know, saying that you know, faithfulness attracts God's blessing. Faithfulness is the key to God's promotion in our lives. All right, this brings us to this week. Uh, we're going to continue, um, and we're going to look at another trait um, of the fruit of the spirit. And today we're going to be looking at kindness. Kindness. Our text is Ephesians 4.32. I'm reading the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says, be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, reading and free just as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind. Be kind and helpful to one another. Tender-hearted. You know, to be tender-hearted means to be full of compassion and to have empathy. Right, To have the ability to you know, emotionally understand what other people are going through. To be able to see things from other people's point of view, from their perspective, right? Um, empathy is the ability to be able to, you know, picture yourself in another person's shoes, and think about how you would want to be treated if you're in that position, and then treat that person that way. The greater part of that um, verse is, you know, forgive one another, give allowance for people's shortcomings. You are not perfect yourself. I'm not perfect, right? You know, the reason why people are able to live with you, even if you don't want to hear it, is, you know, they give allowance for your shortcomings, right? So, you also should be ready to give allowance to people's shortcomings. Nobody is perfect. Forgive readily and freely without any condition attached to it. And it says, in case you're wondering, like, you know, what is the standard for all of this? It says we should do this as Christ also forgave you and I. So, the ultimate act of kindness was actually demonstrated by God in that you know, while you and I were yet sinners, he sent his son, his only son, Jesus, to die for us. We'll look, we'll look at that you know, um, in detail in a bit um, and we'll explain why that is the ultimate act of kindness. So what is kindness? What is kindness? I got these definitions from... The doctor's office. Um, someone is thinking, what? Yes. Um, we have our own resident doctor of divinity in the house. And in, in case you don't know who that is, it's also known as PWA. Come on, let's appreciate PWA. Yeah. Let's appreciate him. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, PWA. Wherever you are, God bless you. Thank you for you know everything you do for us. Thank you for you know, how you're pouring yourself out into us, Um, it can only be, um, you have to love God and love God's people, you know, for you to be doing what, um, you know, he's doing, and, you know, we pray that God will bless you and continue to increase you in Jesus' name. We also miss you, and we can't wait for you to be back. All right, so let's look at these definitions. The first one is helping those that are helpless without condemning them. Kindness. Kindness is the act of solving problems for others without expecting them to reciprocate. And the last one is doing good to others because it is the right thing to do and not because they qualify for it. Helping those who are helpless without condemning them. Solving problems for others without expecting them to reciprocate, right? You're not expecting anything in return doing good to others because it is the right thing to do and not because they qualify for it. And these definitions are, you know, based on the word of God. And, you know, you see that in a minute. One thing I also want you to know is God is kind. God is kind. Um, Psalm 145 verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with Kindness. He is filled with kindness. And um, Titus chapter 3 verse 47, no, 4 to 7, pardon me. It should be 4 to 7. It says, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, right? But because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out His Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we may, that we will inherit eternal life. Eternal life right. Um. Verse 4 says, God revealed his kindness and love by saving us. So you can also define kindness as love in action. Because that's what God did, right? Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. So kindness is not just an emotion, right? It's not like, you know, you pass by someone, they have a flat head, like, oh, poor thing, you know, I hope somebody helps them, I hope they get help. And then you just keep walking or keep driving. That's not kindness. Kindness is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the end product of it is actually you have to take an action. So let's see how God's kindness described in this you know, verse of scripture, right? You know, he said, you know, God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of anything that we've done, not because of any righteous thing that you and I have done. We don't qualify. We cannot even. We can't qualify. We can't save ourselves. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins and gave us a new birth, a new life th- through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out, us, poured out on us through Jesus, our Savior. So the first definition we said was helping those who are helpless without condemning them. That is exactly what Jesus did or what God did for us. Man was helpless. Um, Romans 5, um, from verse 6 to 11, um, you know, you can read it um, you know, when you get home. But like verse 6 says, said, you know, man was helpless. We had, no, we had no solution. We had nothing to offer. We had no way out of our sins. We had nothing to offer. But God still desired to restore man back to the original position of dominion that he put man in, his, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, right? Before Adam fell. God still wanted man back, even though man had nothing to offer God in return. And he did it. And that's the first point, right? Helping those who are helpless without condemning them. Man was helpless. God sent his son Jesus to die for us. And the later part here says, you know, after doing everything, sending his son to die in our place, his son that did nothing wrong, blameless lamb of God. If, thank God, you know, God is not man, right? You know, if I had done something like that, then it's going to come with conditions. Definitely. Like my son, it's going to come with conditions. But no, God said, you know what? All you have to do is believe and I will treat you. Now when I look at you, I look at you through the blood of Jesus, through the finished work of Christ. So I look at you just like you have never sinned. And he, that gives us confidence. He didn't condemn us. There's no condemnation as long as we're in Christ. He's not lording it over us. So when we perform acts of kindness to people as well, don't lord it over them. Right? Don't say, oh, yeah, you just walked, you know, anyhow, you just passed by me, you know, it wasn't, the shirt he was wearing, I was the one that bought it for him. Come on, Right? Imagine if God was like, ah, for you to be saved, you have to confess all the sins, however many years you've lived. You have to stand in front of the congregation and, you know, confess everything. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody said, ah. <laughs> yeah, right? He didn't condemn us. All we just have to do is accept. And the penalty, the wrought against sin was fully satisfied on the cross. The second point, we said, the act of solving problems for others without expecting them to reciprocate, we add the same problem that separated us, separated us from God and you know we lost our dominion through the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden, right? But the amazing thing is, God sent Jesus, again, his only son, to die on the cross for you and I But he did it while we were yet sinners. So there was no guarantees. There was no, he he didn't even know if you and I were going to accept Jesus. He didn't know if we would accept it. He didn't know if we would appreciate it. He didn't even know if we would acknowledge it. But that did not matter. He did it regardless. Right? Everybody that would die and, you know, if they're not saved and go to hell today, they're going to hell not because their sins have not been forgiven. I say that again. They're going to hell not because their sins have not been forgiven. They're going to hell because they've not accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Because the moment where you know a sinner comes forward and says, "Hey, I want to give my life to Christ," and you know uh, uh, they acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ, they believe it, they confess it, they say the sinner's prayers, God is not say, "Oh yeah, 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 Jesus, yeah, you have to go and die again, Sharp, sharp. No, He's done it. It's finished. It's done. All they have to do is accept it. So it did it without expecting us to reciprocate. It had no guarantee like, you know, that we're going to accept it. But it did it regardless. And the third one, doing good to others because it is the right thing to do and not because they qualify for it. I don't need to go like long on this as well. I mean, if you qualify for the death of Jesus on the cross, like, you can you know, raise up your hand and, and you know, we can have a discussion about it after. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't deserve it. We didn't qualify for it, but he did it, regardless. That is true kindness, and that is what God expects from you and I. God expects His children to be kind. You know, the first um, our opening uh, verse of Scripture says, Ephesians four thirty-two. It says, "Be kind and helpful to one another." And, and one another right be kind and helpful to one another what God expects from you and I is to be kind as Christians we don't have that option we, we, you can't hate anybody right You're not allowed to. God insists that you should be kind to everybody You know, we, we, there are no exceptions you have to be kind to you know, people you don't agree with people that don't like you like, you have to be kind to them I mean you don't have to trust them right but be kind to them when you have the opportunity. And when you have the opportunity to do something kind or to show kindness to people, do it in a way that protects their dignity. Because we can see here, we just discussed it, right? Imagine if, you know, you have to stand and tell everybody like, everything you've done and, and, and all of that. So, you know, when, when you have the opportunity to help, like, don't, don't do it in a way that, you know, someone, you know, comes to you like, can you help me with my resume? I'm trying to get into, you know, this field, maybe business analysis or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, actually, let's meet in church um, after Ignite service on Sunday. And after Ignite service, they come to me and I'm like, oh, give me a second. And then you talk, you talk, and they're following you, talk, and I'm like, oh, sorry, I have to go. Um, let's meet, you know, next Sunday and then they are there again, following you the next Sunday, and they probably ask, like, oh, you know, I have to see this guy following you. What's going on? Like, oh, yeah. You no, know, he's struggling. I have to help him with his resume, but I don't have time yet. That's not the way to do it. That's not God's kind of, um, you know, kindness. Right? You have to do it in a way that protects their dignity. Because there's the image of God in the inside of every man. So, let's look at, you know, these de- definitions, like you know, one after the other, we're going to start by looking at you know helping those who are helpless without condemning them. Uh, helping those who are helpless without condemning them. We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm sure uh, if you have not read it, I'm sure you've, you've you've heard about you know the Good Samaritan. We even use it. Um, As part of our day today, vocabulary, like, you know, somebody helps you out of the blue. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, one good Samaritan came along and, you know, gave me a hand and helped me and all of that. So, we're going to look at this story. So, I encourage you to open your Bible. It's not on on my slide. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, a Jewish man. I want you to take note of that, right? You know, because the Bible made a point to mention that this man was Jewish. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there He crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan suited his wounds with only oil and wine, and bandaged them. And he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. So let's, you know, put a bit of context to this, right? You know, this story, um, it was one of the religious scholars in, um, in a Mosaic law, it was, it, was an, it was an expert in Mosaic law, came to Jesus to ask him a trick question. You know, asked, like, you know, how can, I, um, how can I live an eternal life? And Jesus was like, oh, yeah, you are the expert, right? Um... So if you start from, you know, verse 25, you will see um, that encounter there. And Jesus was like, you are the experts, all right? Just, you know, tell us, what does the law of Moses say? How do you interpret it? And he said, you know, he said, you know, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, you know, uh, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus was like, okay, so practice that arbitrarily, and you will live but he didn't like that answer because, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, that's too broad. I can't, I can't love everybody as myself. And the reason is, you know, the reason he felt that way and he you was like, okay, who, who exactly is my neighbor? He, he was looking for a loophole, right? Like, you know, I can't just love everybody. I can't be kind to everybody. I can't be kind to people who don't like me. I can't be kind to people that, you know, we're not really in the same class like that, right? Like, what's, what's my own with them, right? And the reason is, the Samaritans um, and the Jews, back then, they're you know, different races, right? They're in you know, different race, um, but they both lived in Israel at that time. But they did not get along at all. You know, they, were, they, were, they were racist to each other. They didn't like each other at all. In fact, you know, the, the, the Jews hated the Samaritans so much that they would say that it's, it's better to be a dog than to be a Samaritan. So, on this, you know, road that this Jewish man was, you know, going down on, and he got attacked, right, by bandits and and, and whatnot. And we saw that three different sets of people, the priest, um, the temple assistant, and the Samaritan, they all passed by this crime scene, but they took three different actions, right? And before you jump and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm the good Samaritan, like, it's, it's not really about the, the, the person, right? You know, what the Bible is trying to draw our, our attention to here is about our attitude towards people in need. Because we see three different attitudes here. And we're going to look at, you know, each one of, our, each one of them, you know, we'll take a closer look. And the first one is the priest. You know, verse 31 says, by chance, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. not my problem." Right? That's the attitude of avoidance. If I don't pay attention to it, it's not my problem. I don't have to take responsibility for it. If I don't see it, I don't have to do anything about it. So I sight it from afar. It looks like somebody needs help. I just, you know, go a different direction. Uh, people without attitude will say things like, you know, I, I don't get close to people. You know, I don't, you know, I just greet people from afar, right? Because you get close to them now, and then I don't know, like they want to move now, and they'll be thinking about you, that like you come and help them move. Right? So, when they, when they come, when they have a problem, you know, they, they come to you, and you know, they're they they looking for you to help. So, I just, you know, keep my distance. So, people like that, you know, their relationships are very superficial. They tell you, don't get too close to people, otherwise, you have to help them one day. Right? And it's funny, but the truth is, if you're here and you've never had the opportunity to show kindness to anyone at all in the past three months, in the last three months, it's because you're living on the other side of the road. Right? You've just isolated yourself and insulated yourself. Like, yeah, I'm just, just give me a go, say hi, hello, and that's it. Right? And uh, We have even mastered that you know, so much so that sometimes like, we, you meet somebody, like you, you greet them in the morning, and you're like, oh, good morning, oh, good morning, and then you go through the trouble of asking, how are you doing? And sometimes before you can answer, the person has walked away, right? They don't even wait for the response, not to even talk of you know, waiting for it, say, so, oh, yeah, I'm doing well, like, what are you doing, as so well? they're long gone. The attitude of avoidance. Now let's look at the temple worker. Um, the temple worker's attitude. <laughs> this this one is even worse. It Says he stopped to look at the half dead man, and he crossed over to the other side of the road and kept walking. Like, hmm. And then moved and kept walking. Not my business. I'm curious enough to find out what is happening, but I don't care. Right? Yeah, I'm curious enough. I go, yeah, you know, you're struggling, you can't pay your rent. I go, like, ah, well, yeah, God be with you. Right? say, so God bless you, you know. God will give you strength. That is not kindness. Um, when I was praying for this, I remembered um, this story of, um, it was, I think, about three years ago. uh, I was doing the fall, like, towards the end of summer. I was going on, or actually, I was coming back from my prayer walk, and I turned into, like, my street. So, turned into the street. Normally, like, it would take me about 10 minutes or less to get to my house. And as I turned into the street, I saw two cars in the middle of the road, and I could hear, like, people shouting, Right? So I looked, and I saw, like, you know, there are two cars, there are two guys standing outside of, you know, one of the cars, and then there's a guy just shouting and yelling at this lady, and the lady was crying and saying, like, you know, give me a no, and all of that. Remember, I was coming from my prayer walk, minding my own business with God. So, and, and this, you know, I've heard about, you know, this neighborhood has been relatively peaceful since I've been there. But I've heard that you know, there are certain groups of people in that neighborhood that when they have differences, when they have conflicts, like they don't really like talking like that. They don't like using their words, right? They prefer to use guns. So I, I saw what was happening. I was like, you know, this is not right. You shouldn't be treating anything like this. Right? And then I remember that. Three of these guys. So I crossed over to the other side of the road. Wait, 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 what were you expecting? Well, I never told you I was perfect, right? Um, you know, the Holy Spirit was still working on me, right? So yeah, I crossed over to the other side of the road and I kept walking. I walked, uh, I was closed, I saw what was going on, like the yelling was still going on, and I passed by. And, you know, I've passed, like it's now behind me, and I felt this, you know, tug in my spirit, like, you know, go back. (laughs) I was like, this this is the devil. (laughs) Devil, I, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I increased my pace. And it was just strong. I could hear, like, go back. So I stopped. <laughs> I was like, God, are we really doing this? Right? So I, I, was, I was kind of afraid, to be honest with you. But I, I didn't feel the I not I couldn't keep going. So I, I turned back. Went back. I was close enough. I was still on the other side. I remained on the other side. <laughs> so I went close enough. I saw them; they were still, you know, arguing and all of that. And I kept a reasonable distance, right? So, in case, like, when I speak, and they want to take an action, at least I have, like, you know, some head room to um, to run. So, I like, you know. So, I spoke in tongues under my breath, and I, you know they were still arguing. She was, you know, at this point, it was you know she was, it was pushing her. And I was like, stop that, what is wrong with you? She said, Never, alone, like what do you want? <laughs> and the, the most shocking thing happened. I'm, I'm here, so I made it, <laughs> right? So the, but the most shocking thing happened. As I said it, I heard, if I'm not mistaken, on both sides of the road, there are rows of townhouses, I heard about four or five different um, voices, saying, yes, yes, leave her alone. So, there have actually been people looking through their window, all right, just observing, but they're like, yeah, um, we're going to stay out of this, right? So, like the temple worker, curious enough to see, oh, what's going on? Like, oh, they're fighting, okay. Yeah, God be with them. Curiosity stares, right? But kindness stops and acts. Right, kindness will always stop and act. You know, and you know when you have, when you have the opportunity to to show somebody kindness, do it and do it swiftly. Don't 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 waste time. You know, don't sit on it. Um, Proverbs three twenty seven to twenty nine. The message translation. Um, you know, just highlights why it is so important. It says never walk away from someone who deserves help. Right? Your hand is God's hand for that person at that time. You showing kindness, you helping them, is God helping them. Because they might not even know you from anywhere. But they will go away thanking God. Right? You know, she was there. You know, the, the three guys got into their car, like, after that happened. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, do you want me to call the cops or something? And she was like, oh, she's fine. She got into her car and she left. I don't know where she is, you know, and then I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, by the way, God, I'm sorry, but yeah, and I kept walking just, you know, faster this time so I could get to my house, right? But my aunt was God's aunt to that lady at that time. You don't say, uh, you know, maybe sometime, maybe tomorrow, you know, come back. No, no just do it. And the other nice thing I learned from that is, you know, sometimes we have to overcome fear. We have to overcome fear, to so be kind. And, you know, when we look at, let's look at the, the, the good Samaritan. He actually overcame fear. Because we know that, you know, these two groups, they are racist towards one another. So what if, while he was there trying to help this man, three or four Jewish men, they're passing by, and they're like, ah... You killed him, right? And they, they drag him, they drag him to court or you know, do good justice or whatever it is. You know they do. Uh, 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 in those times, it was risky as well for him, but he did it regardless. He did it without condemning him, right? Um, I was listening to a radio um, you know, show like two or three weeks ago. And someone was saying, if you're in distress, you know, which one would you prefer? Would you prefer somebody that is nice or somebody that is kind? And the way the person described being nice and being kind is, oh, if you're, if you're nice, like, you know, let's say, let's use somebody with maybe a flat tire, for example, pass by them, like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, I'm sorry that happened to you, and then you keep driving. That's nice. Or, the person's definition of kindness, which is not God's definition of kindness. Is you come, and say, oh look at you, like you're so dumb, like really, like you don't even know how to change your tire, like you know where where's your spare tire, and then you get into the the thing, pull it out, help them with your tire, like you know next time, like you have to learn this. You're driving the car around, you don't know how to change your tire, like how dumb can you be? Right? That is not you know that is not God's kind of kindness. You have to help people without condemning them. Don't lord it over them. Don't make them feel you know, less of a person just because you know, they're getting help from you. Okay, next one. The act of solving problems for others without expecting them to reciprocate. And um, this is from Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 6, from verse 32 to 36. This is very, like, you know, explanatory. Like, I won't get too, you know, deep into this. Like, it's this, this scripture itself. It's, it's a message on its own. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, if you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners, you know, those in the world, they love those who love them. So how are you any different? That doesn't tell us, you know, you're a follower of Christ, if that's all you do. You only like those that, you know, That love you, those that can help you, those that you you don't say things like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to help that guy because I know like he's my friend. Like if I was in that position, he's going to do the same for me." If that's the only reason why you're helping, then your motive is wrong. And remember, you know, we mentioned last week that in the kingdom of God, your motive is just as important as the action that you take. Verse thirty-three says, "And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit?" Even sinners do that much, and if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Selah. Pause and think, right? That's, that's the message on that um, point. You, know, you have to do good to those, you know, don't expect anything in return. Because that's what God will do. And that's what God has done for us. The last point is doing good to others because it is the right thing to do. Doing good to others because it is the right thing to do, not because they qualify for it. Um, Genesis 45 from verse 5 to 8. This is the story of um, Joseph. His brother sold him into slavery. And um, we could tell that it's all worked out, right? You know, he became the prime minister of Egypt and all of that. And then, you know, when they got the opportunity, <coughs> sorry, when they got the opportunity to meet again, he um, said, verse five says, "But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for sending me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has been, has ravaged and um, the land for two years." And we'll last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive. And to preserve many survivors. So it was that God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me an advisor to Pharaoh. The manager of his entire palace. And the governor of all Egypt. So, Joseph was kind. You could I said, throw of them in prison for what they did to me. But no, he didn't do that. He was kind. Right? Um, I'm going to calm down because um, I, I, just, uh, I need a, just need a tissue. So, Joseph was kind. Right? He, he did. He had the opportunity to pay back you know, evil for what his brothers did to him. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Um, he didn't do that because he realized that God has been kind to him as well. He has been true in God. And we also should be the same way. Like, you shouldn't, you know, do things for people because they qualify for it. We're like, oh, that guy has helped me in, in, in the past, right? So I'm going to help him. And then someone brings somebody to you and says, oh, can you help this person? And then they tell you, oh, um, he just maybe came to Canada. He's trying to find his feet. And you're like, I don't know this person. Like, why should I be bothered with that, Right? Um, that is not what God wants um, for you and I at all. Like, that doesn't show that we love God. It doesn't show, um, you know, that we are children of God if we only trust or if we only help or if we're only kind to people that are deserving. So quickly, I want us to look at elements of kindness, right? You know, what are the things you need to practice kindness? Kindness the first thing you need is observation. Observation, right? The, the road to Damascus, right, that the Bible, um, you know, the, the Jesus used in that story, it's really just referring to our lives, right? In your life, you would always have opportunity. You always have people on your road. Thank you. You always have, you always have people on your road that that need help, right? The road to Damascus is is your life, is my life, right? We always have people around us that need help. But if you don't pay attention to them, if you're in your own little bubble, you have your own, you know, cool friends that you roll with, you are not going to be able to see them. And if you don't see them, you can't be sensitive towards them, you can't sympathize with them, you can't show empathy. So the first step here is, you know, looking out for the good of others, um, thank you so much, Ife. Thank you. Um, the, Bible, the Bible says, um, I think it's uh, in First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter, First Corinthians chapter 10. Yes, First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. It says, "Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Don't focus on yourself alone, right? And the reason why we don't help or we don't show kindness to people is we're busy, we're focused on ourselves. And it's true, like, you know, we're busy. Like, everyone has things to do. I just give you a story of, you know, how, like, you know, we greet one another and we, we don't even, are not even waiting for them to respond. You're like, yeah, I'm moving on. Like, you know, yeah, good morning. How are you doing? But I, I don't really want to hear how you're doing. I'm just greeting you, like, you know, and then you keep walking. My time is fast spent, so um, the second one is listening. I'll just go through it. Listening... We have to learn to listen better, right? Um, you can actually heal people by just listening to them. All some people want is for you to listen to them. There are two needs that every, every, every single one of us have. Like, You have it, I have it. And the first is the need to, to feel understood. To, have, you know, to, to know that you know, people understand you. You have people you can talk to. And the need to be validated. You need somebody, you know, to look at you and say, yeah, um, you know, what you're thinking, you're not weird because you're thinking that way. And both of these needs can be met by just listening to people. And don't let, you know, some guys will tell you, oh, yeah, you know, guys or men are oh, not good listeners. Like, it's, it's a lie. I don't have time, but how you know it's a lie is men can listen. Like, if you want to find a man that's you know, is listening and, you know, very attentive find a man that you know has been chasing a babe for a long time and finally gets that first date right He's sitting there focused taking everything in if he gets on, if he gets back home that day he can tell you everything the the girl said right so just put that energy when you in kindness, kindness to other people as well so yeah don't buy that thing of oh yeah you know men men don't you know listen like they're not good listeners like it's not true just very selective you know, for when they do it, right? And the next one is speaking, right? It says, be kind with your words. Be kind with your words. Um, Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let unawesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech that is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Don't cut people down. Don't make people feel, you know, less by the way you speak to them, by the way you address them. Be kind to people, you know, be kind to people that cannot, um, you know, reciprocate. Be kind to people that cannot, uh, you know, pay you back, right? How do you treat, you know, waiters when you go out to eat? Like, how do you treat people that are less than you like you know in in, in the in the social structure so to speak right be kind you can use your words it will cost you nothing and then the last one is giving to practice kindness you must be willing to be interrupted and that's the issue with most of us right we have our lives like I have my own life to live I have my own problems I have my own issues right like this Canada is difficult for everybody. So let everybody face, like, their own thing, right? We say things like that. But that's because we don't want to be kind. That's the truth of it. If you don't want to be kind, you will find multiple, there are a sea of reasons or excuses that you can find that will support you, you know, in your quest to not be kind. But kindness will always cost you something. You know, we talked about you know, it will cost you your time. Be it time you know, lending a hand, time listening, time speaking to somebody, building them up with your words, or you know, taking time out to actually give and support them. Galatians 6 verse 10. Um, I'm, I'm just wrapping up now. It says, Therefore, As we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As I said, that road signifies our lives. There will always be people in need that we can help. If only we pay attention, if only we listen more, if only we invest in building people up with our words, and we give. And God will always give you the opportunity. As you've heard this word today, God will arrange circumstances, right? Um, the Bible said that you know, it just so happened that the priest was passing, nothing happens by chance. God will give you the opportunity to practice kindness. Choose to be kind. Um, I have a case study here, but I would just say, you know, Read it. It's about, you know, the kindness of David. Um, just um, read how, you know, David was kind to Mephibosheth, and you can see, like, all the traits that we discussed, right? You know, he was kind. Um, you know, he helped him without expecting anything in return. Um, he, he, he helped him, you know, without having, you know, it over him or condemning him or anything like that, right? And, you know, I pray that, you know, as you show kindness, you know, as you um, you know, go out and observe, and reach out to people, and, and 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 have them experience the love of God and the joy of God through your kindness. God will reward you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lastly, I want to leave you with this. Um, you know, Scripture Proverbs 19:17 says, "Whoever is kind," I'm reading the New International Version. It says, "Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will be rewarded." Sorry. And it will reward them for what they have done. I find this very contradicting, right? Because God doesn't owe. But God is saying here that you know, wherever, if, you, if you are kind to the poor, you are lending to God. So what it is actually, what God is saying is, you're lending to me, but I don't owe. So guaranteed, I'm going to reward you. And I pray that you know, as you go out there to show kindness, God will reward you. God will bless you in the mighty name of Jesus.